0: Hello everyone, welcome to another edition of the podcast entitled Mr. Speaker Speaks. I'm your host, the one and only Vincent T. Edwards, better known as Mr. Speaker, and I have an excellent guest today. We're going to talk about the eyes today. Uh, my guest is Dr. Ronnie Bannock, and we're going to have a great discussion, but like always here on this wonderful podcast, Heavenly Father, I thank you for another opportunity to come and to share information and insight with my listening audience. God, open their eyes and their ears that they may hear and be receptive and learn something that could help improve their lives and the lives of others. And I also ask a special blessing upon my guest today, Lord. Open up doors for her. Um, Give her the strength to keep doing what she does so that people can continue to see, and she can let her education benefit the world. Um, Bless her in a special way, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. My inspirational scripture today will come from the book of Matthew, chapter 6, beginning at verse 22. And it says, The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, the whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. Matthew chapter 6, verses uh, 22 through 23. My guest today is Dr. Ronnie Bannick. Uh, She is a board-certified ophthalmologist specializing in eye health neurological conditions, and migraine headaches with a focus on an integrative approach and is also a fellowship-trained neuro She is the author of the new book, The Macular Degeneration Prevention Protocol, and she is here to talk to us today about prevention strategies we can take and how to reduce our exposure to harmful blue light despite the surge in digital device usage as a result of the coronavirus pandemic. Dr. Bannock, welcome to Mr. Speaker Speaks.
1: Well, thank you so much, Mr. Speaker. It really is a pleasure and an honor to be here on your show. And thank you also for that beautiful prayer. It really means the world to me, so thank you.
0: Oh, you're welcome. What prompted you to get into this whole practice of ophthalmology and optometry?
1: Yeah, so uh, I've always loved the eyes. Uh, this dates back to my college years. I've always had a fascination for, you know, it's such a small organ, but it is so delicate. It's so intricate. It has over 40 parts that all work together to give us our vision, to give us our precious eyesight. So, um, you know, as a, as, a, as a physician, you know, I also love the fact that the eye is connected to the rest of the body. It's not in isolation. Uh, there are many connections between our vision and our brain and then other organ systems as well. So it's, really it's a fascinating area. And I think the other thing is I just, um, you know, vision is something that most of us take for granted. But unfortunately, if it's taken away from us, we realize the value of what we've lost. And so many eye conditions can be preventable through proper nutrition and lifestyle choices. And, you know, one of my goals as an ophthalmologist is to educate people and teach them how they can really protect and preserve their vision.
0: Wow. What's the difference between an optometrist and an ophthalmologist?
1: Yeah, great question. I get this all the time. So (laughs) an ophthalmologist is a medical doctor, so an MD, who has gone through four years of medical school and then subsequently uh, another four years of training afterwards, so ophthalmology residency. So it's eight years after college. Um, and an ophthalmologist can treat all the whole range of eye conditions from glasses to medications, glaucoma, cataract, um, retinal issues. We also do surgery, so that also falls under, under the purview of ophthalmology, surgery, lasers, and so forth. So it's the full range of care. Optometrists have gone to optometry school, so that's after college it's a four-year degree, and they have an OD, which is their degree, and they can also uh, prescribe glasses. They treat basic eye conditions. Depending on the state that they're in, uh, they may be able to prescribe medications, and depending on what state, uh, they may also be able to do some minor procedures. So, um, so that there's that difference as well.
0: Well, when it comes to prevention, um, one, I want to ask the question: Is there anything you can do to prevent? nearsightedness or farsightedness, and can you explain the difference between the two?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, nearsightedness, also called myopia, is when um, the image, instead of falling on the eye, on the back of the eye, the retina falling in focus, it falls in front of the retina. So uh, one could say that the eye is too long. Uh, That's a simplistic way of looking at it. And it's very common. It's actually a growing epidemic, especially in most developed countries um you know especially in asia the the rates of myopia are just skyrocketing and thought to be associated with increased near work like many of us are now uh you know on our screens or on our devices so that increased focus up close is probably um you know contributing to this epidemic of myopia now farsightedness on the other hand um is when people can see better at distance distance but they can't see as well up close um so uh Usually, most people, when they're younger, they can manage, their eyes can focus through it, but as they get older, they're no longer able to focus through it, and they may end up needing glasses. Both, both types of vision issues are refractive errors, which may need glasses.
0: But is there anything you can uh, do to prevent those? Because I, I often hear my grandmother saying, uh, turn those lights on so you can see. Get away from that <laughs> television. You're too close. Does that play any role in yeah, that? Yeah, your we've all
1: heard probably some version of that. You know, don't read in the dark and don't sit too close to the TV and all kinds of um, other recommendations we've heard. So uh, many of these are myths, but there, there is definitely an association between up-close work and myopia, which is nearsightedness, because the eye tends to elongate. And some prevention strategies, it's very interesting, there are some recent studies that show that children, if they spend more time simply outdoors, um, at least two hours a day, their rates of myopia are less. So we're learning more about how lifestyle impacts some of these conditions that, you know, that may stay with us for the rest of our lives. And that's why it's so important to get our kids, you know, away from their screens, at least for part of the day, not, you know, glued to their screens and get them outdoors and playing in the sunlight.
0: Oh, wow. Like we used to do when I was a kid. Exactly. A long yeah. time ago. <laughs> a long time ago for <laughs>
1: Exactly. Me. Wow.
0: You know, we're in the midst of this coronavirus pandemic, and we're all under quarantine. And so we're we're inside now. A lot of screen time. Everybody's on different devices. Everybody's working from home now. What are your top concerns when it comes to eye health during this pandemic? Yeah. So, a
1: very, very opportune question. Very timely. So. Um, you know, prior to the COVID pandemic, many of us were spending hours a day on the screen anyway. It was estimated that the average adult spent about 11 hours a day in front of a screen. And again, this is before pandem- the pandemic. And uh, the average child spent at least six hours-, hours a day. So we'll see where those numbers take us now, but it's you know thought to really have skyrocketed since um, and so my biggest concern is really the short-term issues of uh, digital screen time and, and the blue light that comes from our screens. Um, so as far as I know, as far as we know, in the ophthalmology world, there is no long-term side effect, meaning that screen time does not lead to permanent vision loss or blindness, but it can cause this, this syndrome, the this short-term syndrome of digital eye strain. And what this syndrome is, is it's a, it's a constellation of symptoms, which include trouble focusing, blurry vision, dry eyes, light sensitivity, sometimes even headaches, neck and shoulder pain. So uh, many people experience this mainly when they're on a screen for a long time, meaning hours at a time. Um, so, uh, you know, many of my patients will ask me, well, Dr. Vanek, what can I do to prevent this? You know, should I be getting blue blockers or should I get a screen filter? And, you know, what I tell them is that nature has given us blue blockers inside of our eyes. We have these amazing innate blue blocking abilities inside of our retinas uh, we have pigments that come from nutrients uh, these pigments are called lutein zeaxanthin and mesozeaxanthin now it may seem like a mouthful <laughs> uh, you know hard to say hard to spell hard to pronounce but these are nutrients that are found in many foods uh, for example lutein is found in green leafy vegetables like spinach kale collard greens um uh, romaine lettuce. Um, zeaxanthin is found, is, is a, um, more of a yellow orange pigment. It's found in orange peppers, in corn, even egg yolk. So if we have the proper nutrients, we can really protect our eyes against blue light and digital eye strain. Now the third pigment that I mentioned, which is the mesozeaxanthin, uh, again hard to pronounce, but, um, but that particular pigment, unfortunately it's hard to find it from foods alone. Um, it's, you know, it's not readily available from natural foods. So uh, in that situation, it's actually, of the, the, uh, the three, it's the most potent in terms of its ability to block blue light and be protective. Um, it's best to get it from supplements. So I recommend, yes, you want to have a healthy diet rich in these uh, wonderful fruits and vegetables, but you also want to consider a daily supplement. And there's, a, there's an ingredient that I found um, that has all three of these pigments in it, it's, uh, it's called Ludamax 2020, and think of it as though like lutein to the max gives you 2020 vision. It's an easy way to remember it, but this Ludamax 2020, it's found in many of the brands out there, but it's an ingredient, and it, is, it has the science to back it. It protects our eyes against blue light and digital eye strain.
0: So when I think about light, I think about um, the spectrum of light, but what is actually blue light? Is it found on the spectrum or is it just something that's created from um, the digital screens?
1: Yeah so um, so blue light is actually it is all around us. Uh, we're constantly exposed to blue light. There are natural there's natural source which is the sun. The Sun is actually the biggest emitter of blue light more than any artificial source of blue light. Um, and then there's artificial sources like any kind of screen. so your phone, your uh, tablet, your computer screen, even a TV monitor emits blue light. And then what a lot of people don't realize is that many of the bulbs that we use in our homes, um, especially the energy saving bulbs like CFL or compact fluorescent bulbs and, and um, LED bulbs, light emitting diode bulbs, all of these bulbs also emit blue light. So again, we're getting it naturally from the sun, but we're also getting it from all of these artificial sources. Now, natural blue light from the sun is actually beneficial. It helps to regulate our sleep-wake cycle, our circadian rhythm. So when the sun rises in the morning, the sun comes up, we get exposed to blue light. It tells our eyes and our brain, hey, it's time to wake up. It's time to get started with the day. And then um, as as the day, uh, you know, goes on and it becomes more evening time, the amount of blue light coming from the sun decreases, and it's a signal to us that it's time to get ready to wind down and get ready for bed. And so that natural cycle gets interrupted by artificial blue light. And there are many studies which show that too much blue light exposure, particularly before bedtime, two hours before bedtime, can interfere with sleep. It can make it harder to fall asleep and also stay asleep. So it's important to kind of try to minimize our blue light exposure later in the day. Um, Again, we have the natural blue blockers in our eyes, the three, three pigments. We can take a supplement, but you can also use blue blocking glasses if you need to in the evening or get smart bulbs, which automatically adjust the amount of blue light that's coming from your bulb uh, to decrease it after the sunset. So there are a lot of you know, little things you can do in addition to the nutrition and the supplements that I
0: mentioned. Um, do ultraviolet rays uh, have any effect on eyesight?
1: Yes. So uh, I hadn't mentioned this earlier, but UV rays, meaning UVA and UVB rays, come from the sun also, and they are very short-wavelength, high, high-energy rays, and they can do damage in the eyes. So we absolutely need to protect against UVA and UVB rays that can cause issues like um, problems on the surface of the eye, cataract, and they've also been linked to some retinal issues, And um, even some eye cancers or eyelid cancers can be associated with UV exposure. So it's always important to, if you're going outside, especially on a sunny day or if you're out in the water or if you're out in snow when there's a lot of glare, um, it's always important to wear UV protection. So I tell my patients, get UVA, UVB blocking glasses. You can also look for a sticker that says UV400 and that will protect your eyes when you're outdoors. Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: You're listening to Mr. Speaker Speaks, and my guest today is Dr. Ronnie Bannick, a board-certified ophthalmologist, and we're talking about things that uh, deal with our eyes and how we can protect them. You mentioned snow, and I've, you know, I've watched this in movies or heard it, but I've never experienced it. What, I guess they call it, was it snow blindness? What actually happens there um, when you're out there and you see a whole lot of whiteness everywhere? How does that affect your eyes?
1: Yeah. So, um, you know, the snow is very reflective. So if the sun hits snow, it reflects back. And if it hits um, your retina in the back of the eye, it can temporarily um, basically wash out all of those. We, we have light sensing cells in the back of the eye called photoreceptors. It can wash them out temporarily. So it may seem like a big white blur for a few seconds and eventually it will come back. So Unfortunately, you know, I'm sure many of us have experienced this snow blindness um, phenomenon, but it is short term and it doesn't cause any permanent damage. It's more like a, a prolonged glare, if you will.
0: Okay. What about carrots? You know, I've always heard you eat some carrots. I think it's good for your eyes. Is that a... <laughs> <laughs> that,
1: so that, is, that is true. That is not a myth. You know, oh, it's not? It, okay, because you No, yeah, no, no, it's not a myth. I had said earlier that the other thing's a myths, but this one is not. So, you know, when our parents told us, make sure you eat your carrots, it is really important to get carrots because they have a form of vitamin A called beta carotene. And vitamin A is very important um, for the retina to process light energy. So without vitamin A, we would have night blindness, meaning we wouldn't be able to see well in the dark. So, yes, absolutely, carrots are great. But not just carrots. I mean, I would say any kind of um, orange or yellow vegetable, like even... even yam, sweet potatoes are also rich in vitamin A. And actually, many of the greens I mentioned before, they, they do have the lutein, diazanthin as well, but they also have vitamin A. So spinach, kale are also rich in vitamin A. So not just carrots. You can go beyond carrots. And what I like to tell people is make sure that you have a diet that's very colorful. Um, try to include all of the colors of the rainbow in your diet. So you're going to have your different shades of green, different oranges, yellows, reds blues, purples, even blacks in your diet to get your eyes all the nutrients they need from
0: food. In your line of work, I know you've seen literally thousands of pairs of eyes and looked into them and looked into them, you know, with all these little tools and lights and all that. I've experienced all of that. We often say that eyes are the windows to the soul. In your experience, can you tell a lot about an individual by looking at their eyes?
1: I can tell so much. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I, I don't know if I can necessarily say it's about their soul, but I can tell them about their health. Um, so many things can be, um, you know, uh, so much light can be shed based on an eye exam. So, you know, health, basic health conditions, like I've been able to diagnose patients with newly diagnosed diabetes based on an eye exam, or high blood pressure, or cholesterol, uh, certainly, eye strokes or, or brain strokes can be diagnosed on an eye exam, and there are so many other um, uh, nutritional deficiencies and also chronic diseases, inflammatory diseases, autoimmune diseases, even infectious diseases that can be picked up on an eye exam. So, yes, uh, <laughs> uh, in terms of one soul, you know, I, I won't, I, I won't claim to do that as of yet, but <laughs> certainly their overall health. Yes.
0: Oh.
1: Um what
0: can cause a retina detachment
1: Yeah so um, so retinal detachments are, are quite serious actually um, it's when the, so the retina is a, as I mentioned a few times the retina but the retina is a very um, thin layer of nine cells that is attached to the back of the eye. And If it detaches one can lose significant amounts of vision. It's almost like a, a shade or a curtain coming down over your vision. And some, sometimes it's associated with flashing lights. So one may see lots of tiny little sparkles or flashing lights and then have that shade or curtain come down over their vision. And most often it's caused by a tear, somewhere like a very small tear in the peripheral retina. And uh, there are some, some risk factors. Um, high nearsightedness or high myopia is a risk factor. Uh, and that's because the, uh, the retina is very thin. It's very stretched out in the back of the eye. It's more susceptible to tears. Um, Also, trauma is a risk factor. And then also there are some other um, eye conditions and medical conditions that may increase the risk for retinal detachment. Fortunately, it's not that common, uh, but it is something absolutely if you're having any symptoms like flashing lights or or a change in your vision like a shade or curtain or floaters. Many people experience floaters, which are little black Got lines or squiggles floating around in vision. They almost look like cobwebs or like a little bug or fly sometimes. Mm. That can also be a precursor to retinal tear or detachment. So if you have any of those symptoms, be sure to get it checked out. Absolutely.
0: Wow. You know, I used to, when I was smaller and I didn't do it in front of her, but I used to kind of laugh at my grandmother because she'd call me in to read something on a medicine bottle or I'd find her, you know, moving the bottle uh, back and forth from her eye, I'm like, what's wrong with grandma? Mm-hmm. And, you know, one day I found myself <laughs> doing exactly <laughs> the same thing, and it's like, oh, that's what's going on. And so, you know, I wear, you know, progressive lenses now. Mm-hmm. Is that some form of macular degeneration, or does that just naturally come with age that you lose your eyesight?
1: Yeah, so it's, it's the latter. And um, so it, it, it is a natural part of the aging process in the eye. Um, it's, it's the fancy medical term is called presbyopia, which basically means we can't focus as well up close. And this happens to everyone. And it can happen at different ages. So most people experience this problem usually in their late 40s, early 50s. Some people as early as their late 30s may experience presbyopia. So what happens is just as you said, you just have to hold things further and further away until your arms just are not long enough anymore. And at that point, you may have to get some reading glasses or progressive lenses or even progressive color, uh, multifocal contacts, which is what I wear. Um, but it happens to everyone. And uh, it's because our eyes, are, the lens inside the eye becomes more rigid and stiff, so it can't change its shape and focus as well. Fortunately, there are great treatments um, to, to help with that. But, uh, but it is distinct from macular degeneration. Uh very different than macular degeneration. Macular degeneration is something that happens in the retina, and we keep going back to the retina today, but um, (laughs) it's a problem in the retina where the central retina, which is called the macula, uh, develops waste deposits, and then these deposits eventually cause inflammation and bleeding and loss of central vision. So people with macular degeneration are not able to read properly. They can't see... um, faces properly because there's a central dark part in their vision. They can't drive. They can't work. So it can be quite debilitating. Um, but uh, actually, I'm, I'm writing a book on macular degeneration, and it should be out this fall, and it's called the Macular Degeneration Prevention Protocol. And in this book, um, I do talk a lot about ways you can prevent macular degeneration through going back to, again, proper nutrition and healthy lifestyle choices. So that, that is really the cornerstone of good eye health
0: is making those healthy choices. Wow. I'd love to interview you once your book comes out. Um,
1: oh, thank you. Yeah, I would love to be back.
0: Okay. I would love to
1: know be a
0: pleasure. Um, pleasure. I've, I've experienced a, a lot of uh, issues with, um, with my eyes, and I've been wearing glasses since, like, fourth grade, and so now I'm 54 years old. So I've been basically wearing glasses all of my life. What, you know, what's the difference between having glaucoma and having a high ocular pressure?
1: Wow, great question. I <laughs> wish uh, I had another hour with you to <laughs> tackle this one. Um,
0: and, so, and I say that because they, they've never diagnosed me with glaucoma, but they say I have a high ocular pressure, so I have to take Lantanoprost eye drops every night.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, so glaucoma is a very common condition. Um, it It tends to happen as people get older, um, a little bit older than how old you are, but uh, (laughs) but it can even happen, I mean, there are some forms of glaucoma that can happen to younger people in their 30s, and even some children have glaucoma, special, uh, you know, types of glaucoma, subsets of glaucoma. So glaucoma is damage to the optic nerve, and the damage looks a certain way. So when me, as an ophthalmologist, when I look in the back of the eye, I can see the nerve, and it has a certain characteristic appearance, glaucoma. And it's usually associated with high eye pressure, but not always. And this is the key thing. So, you know, many people may have an eye pressure which is on the higher end of normal, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they have glaucoma. It's only when the nerve is damaged from high eye pressure that it's called glaucoma. But nevertheless, oftentimes, patients, if they do have pressure that's on the high end, or if they also have other risk factors like a family history of glaucoma or um uh, for example, certain other features in the back on the eye exam, or if they're a high myope, uh, which I do believe you mentioned you're you're a high myope as well. So um, that may increase the risk of glaucoma, and in those situations, sometimes we um, we are more proactive and we start drops, we start therapy early to prevent the damage.
0: Hmm. hear a lot about these uh, LASIK commercials, so, you know, this LASIK procedure. Is that a good procedure? And once it's done Uh, Will you ever need glasses again?
1: Yeah, so LASIK is, um, it's very safe. Uh, It's been, you know, it's been performed, uh, it's been about almost 40 years that it's been performed routinely. Um, What I will say that the vast majority of people have a a wonderful outcome with LASIK. They see very, very well after their surgery. Um, There's no guarantee, though, that you will be completely glasses-free after LASIK surgery. So, even despite having the procedure, some people still need to wear glasses. Uh, maybe for for certain you know types of types of tasks, like for example, for reading, or um, you know in computer use, for example, or even for driving. So there is no guarantee that you will be glasses free. Uh, it can certainly reduce your power. So if you have a high uh, refractive power, it can reduce that. But again, there's no guarantee that it will be exactly 20/20. Most people reach about you know 20. 2030, 20, 20, 2025 20, are better, but there's no guarantee.
0: Wow. And I heard you mention you wear a certain type of contact lens because, you know, I also wear contacts, but when I wear my contacts, I still have to wear readers, and I would love to get, a, get around that.
1: <laughs> yeah, so I would um, – there, there are lots of options uh, for, for that problem. So you can wear a multifocal contact lens, which is basically like having progressive lenses inside the eye. Um, so it takes care of a range of vision so far distance intermediate like the computer and then up close what I have to say though is being a, a one of these multifocal contact lens words myself is my vision is not perfect um, it's you know, I, I do give give a little bit of um, it, you know it, it's not perfectly 2020 and that's okay with me for my needs right now but um, you know if you need that really perfect crisp 2020 vision it's probably best not to get the progressive contact or
0: multifocal contact. Wow, okay. I have one other question. Wow, time is going by with relative to the eye. I've heard this word a lot. Is it stigmatism or astigmatism? And What is it?
1: Yeah, astigmatism is, um, so the front of our eye is spherical. It's curved. And um, so when it's curved but it's not perfectly circular. So if if it's a little bit oval shaped at the surface of the other cornea, it's called astigmatism. So imagine, you know, instead of it being a perfectly round ball, like for example a basketball, it's more like a football shape rather than a basketball shape. So that's what astigmatism is. So it's just an an unevenness in the curvature of your eye, the front part, and it can be corrected with glasses, even contacts, and uh, even for people who have cataract surgery, there are now lenses to correct for astigmatism, even after cataract surgery. There are, there are lots of options now, lots of wonderful options. Wow! And, and they, even even LASIK, um, there are some LASIK procedures that correct for astigmatism as
0: well. Wow. You brought, I thought I was done and was going to close out with another question, but you brought another one to the forefront. You brought up cataracts, and I hear people always talking about that. And they, if you have them removed, do you see better? Um, what is a cataract? Is it like something growing on your eyes?
1: Yeah, so it's actually uh I wouldn't say it's growing on your eye, but it's a change inside the eye. So we have a natural lens inside of our eye. So imagine having a clear lens. Mm-hmm. Like we all do. We all have a clear lens inside the eye that helps us to focus for different distances. When we're young, that lens is clear, it's transparent like a clear window. But as we get older, um, usually from, you know, what we call oxidative stress or oxidative damage, that lens begins to a little bit opaque, it becomes yellow and cloudy and sometimes even brown in color and it doesn't let enough light get through. That's when vision becomes affected and we can't focus as well, we can't see as well either for distance or up close or both. And so that's what a cataract is, is when the natural lens inside the eye will pacify So imagine you used to look through a clear window and now you're looking through a dirty window and no matter what you do you can't see well. Sure. And the only way to fix that now, and I wish that there were some way to fix it other than surgery. And patients always ask me, Dr. Bannon, can I take an eye drop? Will it get rid of my cataract? Or can I take a medicine? Yeah, like there's some Windex some or something the for eye. the
0: eye. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I wish that there were. But um, there's no way to dissolve the cataract once it's developed. The only way to take care of it is to remove it with surgery when it becomes symptomatic. So just because you have a cataract doesn't mean you have to have it taken out. It's only when it bothers you and you can't do the normal activities you like to do, like read or drive or or watch television or work, then it's time to have your cataract removed. And it is a surgical procedure. It's very straightforward. Um, most ophthalmologists do this procedure about 15 minutes uh, in length, uh, but it is my eye surgery, so it's not to be taken lightly. And we remove the lens, the cataract, but then we put an implant in its place. And that implant helps people focus for distance. Uh, there are special types of implants which are called premium implants that can help give people a range of vision and distance intermediate up close without having to wear reading glasses. But there are lots of options. So if you're considering cataract surgery, make sure to discuss the options with your doctor and figure out which one may be best for you.
0: All right. We talked about blue light during uh, the pandemic that we're experiencing and we're in quarantine. What else um, should we concern ourselves with or be aware of during this that could harm our eyesight? And are there any other things that we can do to to take care of our eyes? Yeah,
1: I would just go back to, um, you know, in terms of could anything else harm our eyes? uh, Really, it's, it's um, it's that just that digital eye strain that I mentioned before and the short-term side effects of blue light. The best thing is the, the two ways that I mentioned, need proper nutrition, get those fruits and vegetables in your diet. Um, you know, unfortunately, most of us just don't get enough based on what the recommended amounts are. So it is important to do a daily supplement. And especially for children, I can't stress this enough, you know, our kids are not, used to be on screen as much as adults, but their eyes also, there's some early research that shows that children's eyes simply don't, they can't filter out blue light as well as adult eyes do. So they may be particularly vulnerable to digital eye strain and blue light. So especially in kids, I would recommend, you know, it's hard enough to get them to eat some of those fruits and vegetables, have them do a daily supplement. Now, um, there are some great gummy forms available, and this is actually what I gave my daughter because uh, she can't... <laughs> She can't swallow capsules or tablets or anything like that. But she loves the dummies. She pops them almost like candy. So uh, she takes the, the blue light dummy. Uh, look for that Ludimax 2020 on the label that will give your eyes the pigments it needs. And protect your eyes from sunlight also. Um, and uh, I didn't mention this earlier, but make sure you, uh, you, know, you, you exercise regularly, you maintain a healthy weight, and you see your ophthalmologist at least once
0: a year. Okay, in this world or this digital age, how can my listening audience find out more about you, stay in contact with you, interact with you?
1: Absolutely. So um, they can find me through my website, which is my full name, Bannick, md dot com And uh, I'm also very active on social media. So if anyone is on Instagram, please follow me at Dr. Ronnie. Dr. Ronnie Banik, and also I'm on Facebook. I have two Facebook groups where I share a lot of great information. I share nutrition information and recipes and other great tips. So um, you can uh, request to join my Facebook group, which is called Envision Health. That's E N Vision Health. I also have um, I have a lot of patients who have migraines. So I do a lot of work with migraine as well, and migraine and nutrition and supplements. So um, if you're interested in migraine, I have a Facebook group called Eye on Migraine. So I would invite you to uh, to join that as well.
0: I may have to reach out for that one. I deal with that too. A lot of my issues stem from the Gulf War, but yeah, those migraines, and they're nothing nice.
1: Yes, yes, I know. I'm a migraine sufferer myself, so I completely understand it's uh a- a difficult thing to deal with but very
0: preventable as well. Yes so. indeed and I will post all of your social media information when I post this podcast as well so that they can connect with you. Well time is coming to a close. Are there any last words, anything that you would like to say to my listening audience today doctor?
1: You know, I, again I had mentioned this before but our eyesight is so precious. It truly is a gift um, that many of us take for granted unless Taken away from us, so we realize how valuable that gift is. So be proactive about your vision. Um, try to protect and preserve it in any way you can. And the best ways are nutrition, lifestyle, and supplements. <laughs> I can't say it enough.
0: All right. Nutrition, lifestyle, and supplements to help you see clearly and to keep your eyesight. Thank you so very much, Dr. Bannock. It has been truly a pleasure talking with you and learning so very much about the eyes. Thank you for being a wonderful guest.
1: Oh, thank you so much, Mr. Speaker. I really enjoyed our conversation, and I look forward to being back on your show.
0: Uh, So do I. I want to see that book, Macular Degeneration Prevention Protocol. I look forward to reading it. You've been listening to the podcast, Mr. Speaker Speaks and like I say always remember in all that you do you need to be magnificent and until next time be good be blessed but most of all be a blessing to someone have a nice evening doctor
1: thank you have a nice evening